quick plug here for our favorite podcast people. The Bitch Talkers are gearing up, quite literally, for an IRL return to Park City, Utah, and this year's Sundance Film Festival. They could certainly use your help getting to and being there, and they've got all sorts of fun stuff in exchange for donations at various levels. To learn more, go to Bitch Talk Pod on Instagram, or hit us up on email or in our DMs. Thanks. We acknowledge and respect the first humans of the unceded land we call San Francisco, the Ramaytoshaloni. We condemn the genocide of these and other tribes across the Western Hemisphere. We honor their legacy and history, and we support rematriation and sovereignty efforts. Welcome to Storied San Francisco. I'm your host, Jeff Hunt. This episode is part two with Rainbow Grocery Cooperative. If you missed part one, definitely go back and check that out. We resume our conversation with Cody Frost. Cody has worked at Rainbow for 16 years, the last three or so as a marketing and creative strategist. He shares insights on the inner workings of Rainbow Grocery, a 50-year-old co-op grocery store. We begin with a continuation of our discussion about Rainbow's amazing, expansive bulk section. Here's Cody. It had not been since 2012, but it had definitely been since before the pandemic for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, I don't know when the last time I was here. Um, and I had occasion to come, I don't know, a month or so ago for bulk items. And I was blown away. I was mm-hmm. like, I didn't remember it being that extensive Mm -hmm. expansive it's quite remarkable yes and (laughs) and and i'm I'm just talking about the food yes like (laughs) yeah it's so hats off well they i mean our bulk our our bulk department those workers they they're and buyers they do a good job of trying to find products and get them in volume we actually we carry bulk uh maple syrup Mm -hmm. um uh from one of the companies that we get packaged maple syrup from and we sold it uh for years in bulk um we would get barrels of it from them and before the pandemic this was a number of years ago they were like hey we're not going to be doing this anymore Mm -hmm. um and uh our buyers worked with them off you know and and talked to them and worked it out and now we're the only they as far as i know we are the only place that sells their product in bulk. I think that they stopped selling it by the, by the barrel. Right. And so we now we're one of the, if not the only place that gets it from them. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think what's nice, uh, and, and kind of, um, good for our customers is that we have such long relationships with so many of our vendors, um, where some of the, some, um, places first you know commercial mm. um, um uh, contract you know to, right. to retail to get contract. to market yeah mm-hmm. to get to market and um, going back like all the way to the opening of the store um, or close some places i mean some places yeah. i think are early pretty early on in yeah. our in our relationships um That's i know great. uh kona farms is uh a uh japanese american owned um legacy farm uh, organic rice uh, grower okay. um it's like third generation owned now 
Um, and we were one of the first places, this is my understanding, is that we we're one of the first places to sell their product um, when they went to market um, awesome. with their uh, heirloom rice brand and, and product that they were doing, um, that uh, they had been doing it uh, in volume in other ways, but mm. they that when they kind of re kind of transitioned, they were they were selling it here. Okay, um, and we sell it in bulk. So there's a there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of history there, uh, and there's a lot of a lot of our customers. You know, a lot of our customers shop in our bulk food section because it's just it's so accessible. And maybe so that's a spinoff podcast. Bulk, <laughs> just the bulk section at Rainbow. <laughs> we go through every week. We discuss a new item. There's a lot of stuff. There's there's more stuff there than I I remember. And there's definitely when you get into like the herbs and spices, that stuff's just that's that was, wild. Well, I think that's the first thing I saw. Yep. Um, and I was like, wow, I I know what, what a lot of this is, but I don't know what a lot of this is. Yes. And that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you talk about I, cheese? I, do, do y'all call it the cheese department? Oh or? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dairy department. or what, yeah. whatever. So our cheese department is uh, it was um, my understanding is that it was uh, you know generally kind of like forged by uh, Gordon um, who works here um, and he's uh, he's been with the store for many years. I think he started in the early 90s possibly um uh gordon edgar and uh he's he's been the cheese buyer for many years there are but he i think i think we there was a cheese department Mm. i think or or branch of the store that was selling cheese i think he helped spearhead that being a its own thing it's thing and it is a thing um and there have been a lot of people who've worked as cheesemongers here um there's definitely various people who've worked here have gone and gotten cheese awards for being good cheesemongers and things like that (laughs) when when that was happening more consistently in the world please tell me the trophy is a block of cheese uh, no i don't think so. i think it's just a i think there's just plaques oh, there, i i didn't even know i mean it makes sense just like i've known people who are really into the coffee world and then mm-hmm. i find out anecdotally about coffee competitions barista mm-hmm. competitions mm-hmm. and stuff like that same thing with cheesemongers. Yeah. It's like they'll be like, "Hey, cut a cut a, a quarter pound or cut like a five pound wedge of this," and then they cut it, and then they weigh it to see how accurate, accurate. the cheesemonger is to eyeballing the weight of the you know stuff yeah. like that. Skills with a yeah. Z. Yes. Yeah. Um. So does Gordon get uh, all or a lot of the credit for how for the quality of the cheese department here or? Um, I would say it's interesting. I I would say that Gordon is is probably the the main. I mean, he's the definitely the main buyer, mm-hmm. and there is there's definitely some skill sharing. There's other people who do buying, and sometimes you know when he's uh, doing other things, they sub for him and stuff. But he's been so involved in the in the cheese world for so many years. Thirty ish. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he's you know the, he's. He um, goes on vacation sometimes and goes to visit cheesemakers in different parts of the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, he's 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 got his finger on that pulse very awesome. much so. Um, so I, I don't know how much I know that the other cheesemongers in the store are very knowledgeable. Yeah. They some of them bring their own experience from other other places that they've worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would say that. Um, 
you know, it, I think it's a collaborative effort for of course, sure. Of course. Uh, but I think that Gordon is definitely um, probably, I mean, he, a lot of people look at him as like the cheese figurehead, mm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, yeah, a lot of that is creating those relationships during the, when we, when, when lockdown first happened and everything was uh, shutting down, we, uh, he was finding out from his, from cheesemakers that they were going to start, they weren't all, everybody was struggling, but they were going to, they were starting to struggle because they had created, you know, cheese. And then a lot of that was going to go to restaurants. Right. So that like that, a lot of that, a lot of the volume that they would normally sell, some of these makers would go to high end restaurants around the country. And, uh, and they didn't have that anymore. So and they, have they all this stock. didn't have anything to, anywhere to put it. Yes. Right. So, you know, he, he worked with people to try to buy stuff from them, created uh, a, uh, a series of these like cheese boxes where it would be like samplers from mm. different makers mm-hmm. um, as a way of trying to create, like generate not only interest, but also like generate an opportunity for that product to move. Right. You know, um, and you know, I think that that, that uh, to his credit, I think that that shows that that initiative, but also that community, right? It's mm-hmm. like he wants to, he wants as much as he can within his means help those makers maintain their business, mm-hmm. their life, their livelihood. Um, and so, um, and you know, he's here helping the store also do that. So in trying to get people excited about trying different cheeses and things, um, yes. it's, We've gotten awards, we've gotten recognition from different organizations and stuff for the quality and selection of our cheese. As you should. We, we get it often in the best of the bays uh, mm-hmm. from various publications of best cheese department, best <laughs> cheese selection, things like that. So, yeah, the cheese department does is definitely, again, like another feather in our cap. And and as as much as as uh you know the store is is vegetarian so we don't sell any we we generally vegetarian we don't sell any meat products for human consumption mm-hmm. we have pet food mm-hmm. uh we have vitamins and supplements that sometimes have to come from from animals and things but right. um all the packaged food and things like that um and uh you know they still they also try to bring in a variety of like vegan cheeses and things like that. So like mm-hmm. they're, they're very, they're very much like very proactive in trying to support the store. It's not just, yep. just about them. And they bring in amazing butters. Oh, that's another thing that I think. <laughs> well, that's why I wasn't sure. Is like, is it cheese or is it the so dairy? There's, there's, or? There is, there is like regular dairy, like the cooler section that has, you know, your clover and your, you know, like all the other brands of regular kind of everyday stuff. Um, but the cheese department does bring in some very fancy, very delicious cheeses and or like uh, butters from around the world. Okay. You know? So like they they have a they have their own little like butter section. Amazing. Their own little cheese set. You know they have their cheese. Uh, butter stuff. is under the cheese umbrella, is what you're saying. Not all of it. Not all. Oh, interesting. No, that's a thing. So that's that's a. Let's talk it. Let's dig in. It's another thing. <laughs> so one of the things that is uh, challenging with having all of these autonomous departments is that um, cross merchandising is not necessarily uh, as clean. As, as it could be, or, or merchandising in general. So we don't have all of the butter, all of the butter in one spot. Oh, okay. We, you know, same thing with, we don't have all of the 
drinks in one spot. Mm -hmm. And some of those are bought by different groups. So I'm guessing the, beer and wine. Beer and wine. Different from. Beer and wine is its own thing. For its own. It's its, it's right. own thing. Right, right, right. Um, the two guys that run that that are the two main guys that run beer and wine. They're they're technically because they're a small group. Yeah. Technically part of the cheese department. Like oh. they're, they're not part of the cheese. De okay. They're not part of the cheese department, but when making br bigger decisions around like operations mm -hmm. um, and admin admin stuff, they kind of work together. Okay. But they are still autonomous. So like beer and wine charges what they want for their products. They have their margins, they set their money, they set their schedule. Mm -hmm. Cheese does its own thing. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to uh, vacation requests or mm. other bigger things, since there's only two of them, it, they have to be kind of connected to another group. I get it. Um, and it's easy for me to remember because those are like my favorite things. Yeah, those are, yeah, and they're all in the same area of the store. And, in know. the back at yeah. other avenues, um, they had some kind of board. I don't know what it was, but like all the, their different departments and it was like beer and wine and cheese were right next to each other. And I was yeah. like, that's, yeah, <laughs> sometimes that's all I need. That's That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay, let's go back now to you getting a job here. Yes. Did you have any experience? Did you know what a co-op was? Yeah. So I've uh, I've been working in the uh, grocery industry since 2003, I think it is. Okay. Um, my first grocery job uh, was working at the Sacramento Natural Food Co-op. Okay. Which is a community co-op so it's structured very differently membership kind it's of membership yeah so right. so people can join open to the public but people can join they get a, a benefit uh they can be involved they can be if they're a member involved in like the board of directors and decision making and stuff but, and there's an election they can run for it uh but generally public store um uh, similar to rainbow hierarchically structured so i had a boss and mm. that boss had a boss and you know mm -hmm. kind of more traditionally structured and um i worked there for i worked there from 2003 up until i moved here so okay. almost three years um and uh it was fine i worked stock shelves was a cashier for a while um and it being a co-op was not it, it led itself to the alternatives, right? So it, it led itself to uh, the alternative uh, selection. You didn't, mm. We didn't carry all, you know, kind of more commercial mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that was like the first foray into for me into like, look at all these soy milks or, <laughs> right. you know, like here's all of the, here's like essential oils. Mm -hmm. never, you know, mm -hmm. like there's a lot of stuff that I... I learned from being just around the products and I'd never seen things. Yeah. Um, and then uh, then I moved here, worked at Byright for a little while, and then got a job here. Um, uh, my friend, uh, April Anthony, uh, was, um, or sorry, Anthony, not Anthony. Anthony, uh, Anthony worked with me at, um, at Byright, and then they got a, position here and so okay. they were like brought you over yes you okay. should work here yeah and i tried it i had tried to work here uh it, when i first moved here because when i was asking my friends 
where should I try to look for work when I moved to San Francisco? A bunch of people knew about Rainbow. Mm-hmm. Oh, Rainbow, you should try to apply there. Mm-hmm. So I did, but I very passively did. And then so very quickly got a job. And I was like, well, I need a job. Um, so uh, yeah, Anthony helped me uh, get over here. Uh, they worked in the package department. They helped me get my application in front of the right people. And I got hired into the package department Okay. Uh, in 2007. Okay. Yeah. And so our... Is the structure here, are you all worker owners or what are you? The majority of us are worker owners. Okay. Um, Basically, there is a a timeline and a set of criteria that a person has to, a certain uh, task they have to complete in order to then be eligible to become a, a an owner to level up yeah essentially as the kids say. <laughs> uh so uh you get but everybody who's worked here for almost everybody who's worked here for more than a year is a worker owner okay um essentially you you get hired you work in a department you uh either work a thousand hours or nine months to be eligible as far as time okay but then there's a series of um like workshops uh, and, uh, you know, uh, different meetings, learning how our structure is. Mm-hmm. There's like, uh, an orient, uh, like different orientations basically. So you have to do those. You have to get your department to vote and sponsor you essentially as an owner and all these things. And then, uh, and then it can happen. Um, so the majority of our workforce currently, um, are worker, are worker owners. Um, there's a, there's definitely a, a, a newer handful of people. Uh, I can show you the wall where we fo- post photos of all the new workers. There's probably like 20 of them there now or so. So there's a lot of new folks. 20 new? Yeah, a good amount of new folks. Well, well uh, the burning question for me is how many total work? Uh, I think the number is just under 200 right Okay, now. wow. Yes. In that sense, Rainbow, and I, I knew this, but I didn't have numbers at my uh, fingertips, but in that sense... Rainbow is much different than other avenues and oh, yes. Harris Mindy. Both of those bigger. places were like 1820. Really? Yeah. Whoa, yeah, no. The, the stores had, I, I think, when I, like, early on in my working here, um, and we were, they were hiring a lot of people back in 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. Um that the store came close to 250 wow. at one point. Wow. Um, so, you, I mean, I, there's a lot of reasons why we're now down to 200. So many reasons. And not, 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 um, some of which have to do with the pandemic mm-hmm. and, you know, hiring, and some have to do with just cost of living and all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and some has to do with just people having had worked here for years and moved on. Right. You know? Right. Um, or, you know, I mean, a lot of people, when I first worked, started working here, a lot of people, this was, you could afford to work here more than part-time, but less than full-time right. and still survive and still have your fun projects or your life, your family or your, your going to school, mm-hmm. improv, whatever, you know, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and you could, it, it, you didn't have to, it didn't have to be a side hustle. Because you, this job sustained you right. comfortably enough that you, you, it basically just afforded you the time. Yeah. Um, as the cost of living has gone up in the city and in general everywhere, um, you know, you're seeing people needing to do more here 
So they're putting in more hours and you're not seeing as many people having that kind of flexibility, which mm -hmm. I think is true mm -hmm. everywhere. Right. Um, but a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people are working on their degrees or working mm -hmm. in specialization in different fields, uh, you know, that they're really more passionate about. But this is a it's a good place to work and there's plenty of stuff to do. So and like we said, low, very low turnover. Yes. Seems like. Yes. That's impressive. Um, do y'all work on consensus decision making or how majority to, how to... decision making? Majority, yeah, we okay. yeah, yeah, majority, yeah, cuz okay. we we consensus with 200 plus people, you know. <laughs> it's a it problem be, of scale. It would be a yeah, it's a problem of scale. Um when it comes to so in at almost every level, it's all democratically run uh elections, ballots, votes, things like that. So when it comes to membership membership decisions, we have those meetings every quarter or so, uh, where we talk about larger things and in fact the whole store. Mm -hmm. Everybody who is a worker owner is welcome to come and vote. Everybody who works here is welcome to come and share their opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we make big decisions that way. Then on a department level, it's basically a scaled down version of that. Department gets together, talks about the things that they need to address, their policies, changes to schedules or whatever they need. Then they vote democratically. With because the departments are more autonomous, yes. like you said. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so if, um, as an example, if the way, uh, like, the schedule is working where we need to get people uh People don't need to show up as early as they've been scheduled, right? So, like, say people show up because the delivery is starting to show up later, and they're like, hey, the delivery is showing up later. We don't need to be here an hour earlier. Right. We're not doing anything. But our policy or our schedule is that, so people can't just show up an hour later. Technically, mm. they're late, right? So mm. they would work with their department to make the decision to change that shift right. officially to work with whatever they need. Things okay. like that. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, what about time off slash vacation we talked a little bit about life work balance where mm -hmm. just in general working here typically affords you the time to do sure other stuff whether that be family or a side hustle or sure. whatever it is right. but um like for example uh Ares Mindy said they started their company with a six week vacation policy mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm like that is life work sure yeah <laughs> like that's intense we and i love it don't don't get me wrong sure it's it's great. Um, we do have something similar, basically. Um, I mean, we allow we don't really constrain people on their vacations, right? Um, as long as uh, we're able, there. You know, basically, that's where that kind of autonomous department stuff lays in pretty heavily. Mm -hmm. it's if if a department feels that uh, a worker can you know, go off on vacation. We, I think the maximum amount of time that a person can be on vacation is six weeks, but we don't limit how often they can request right. a vacation. Right. So, um, and, and we also offer leaves and things like that. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different opportunities that people need extended time away from doing this specific work. It's all very human. All this stuff. You, well, yeah. you, you guys, the other co-ops that we're talking about, it just, it all strikes me as respecting each other and this craziness of life, but then also banding together and, you know, out there, we, we talked about scale, there's like 20 people 
running a bakery, hard work for sure, mm -hmm. but volume is nothing like what you all are doing here. Right. So maintaining that humanity while also doing all this mm -hmm. is, um, it's amazing. It's not radical to me. Mm -hmm. The idea of how, you know, of cooperation, cooperative models is not radical to me. And that's one thing that I want to get across to my listeners through talking to you all is this these these ideas these alternative modes of doing businesses probably not far-fetched right. and clearly they're working but yeah i think the difference here is that it's so massive yes and you maintain the humanity of yes. each other yeah that's it's, great it's i mean it, I, i'll i'll say this it is wrought with all the same problems as any other sure, business sure 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 it is, uh, there are certain inefficiencies that we have accepted as part of that humanity, right? Mm -hmm. we, we say, hey, we want, we agree that we want to have decisions made democratically. So we are willing to afford ourselves the time and resources to be able to do that process through this, mm -hmm. have everybody air their concerns or their mm -hmm. questions, have them answered mm -hmm. as part of our decision making, mm -hmm. right? Is that the most efficient way? No. But ultimately, that does empower people. That does hopefully empowers people. That that uh, hopefully empower uh, brings people into a feeling of ownership, agency. actual ownership, agency. Um, also, almost every single time, you end up with something that is ultimately stronger than the thing that wherever wherever it started because right. you have more people saying yes or like oh this idea more input more input right diverse um, yeah, yeah. and and the thing that and and hopefully you end up with a, a thing that actually supports more people mm -hmm. um, in the long run mm -hmm. um, and and you know and and some of those decisions are easy people are like yeah let's do it let's do this we're gonna you know raise this lower that whatever it might be and sometimes it is there is that debate. There is a back and forth of like, is this something that is sticks with our values? Is this something that is beneficial right. for the bottom line of our business and mm -hmm. sustaining our continued? Unfortunately, yeah. we are in, still in a capitalist system and we need to make some money. Yes. Yeah. yeah. To be able to do the things. Right. And, 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 you know, and ultimately, like, I personally feel that the I would... And I and it, there are some detriments to to having everything be hum, humanely handled. Sometimes, <laughs> in my opinion, sometimes it's it's a little challenging. Um, you know, sometimes the the accountability and things like that can get a little challenging sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but I would I would prefer this system and this model over so many others because mm. we allow ourselves the time and, and energy to try to help each other, mutually help each other and give each other opportunities to, to like meet the expectations and meet the store or the department or your coworkers where they need you, right? Versus just saying, yeah, it's not working out. Right. You're done. We don't wanna, you know. Another part of it that I thought of, uh, I think when I was talking with Ares Mindy is like, in, in these working situations, you everyone probably always has an idea why we're doing what we're doing. Right. Whereas the 
other model, which I always think of as the competitive model, mm -hmm. um, you, stuff is handed, and hierarchical for sure, stuff is handed down to you and you're like, I'll do this. I have no idea why we're doing this. Right. So that must be nice. I mean, it's, it, you know, uh, the, the, with, so this is going to be an interesting comparison. Okay. The, uh, the scale of a place like other avenues versus a scale of a place like rainbow, we're so large that a person could just kind of focus very on the, on the micro mm. of like their department or their role or whatever, mm -hmm. and not necessarily be involved in the larger democratic processes of mm -hmm. the store. Mm -hmm. But we do offer that. We do we do publish minutes of all of our board meetings and mm. things like like that. Information is accessible, and if and if a person wants to, they can be very involved in the macro scale of the store. Mm. And I think that um, you know that that does allow for you to know why things are happening. Um, and yes, there's again we're a big organization, so there are definitely times where people are like. Why is this going? What's happened here? And it's like, mm. well, you got to read this, or you got to give it. You do, right. maybe you didn't catch it. Um, and in another thing that that um, you know, in a small scale, just like even just a small business, regular business, you that that like person, uh, their work directly impacts so heavily mm. a larger mm -hmm. proportion of the a larger portion of the the workforce there, mm -hmm. um, and here. Uh, that only happens on a departmental level. Right. So, like, somebody working in the cooler doesn't affect me day to day, right? Whatever. Um, and maybe even, like, whatever's happening in the cooler doesn't affect me. Mm -hmm. But as far as the larger organization, um, yeah, we, we often do have conversations all the time people are talking about like oh this proposal is coming up like what do you think what do you like these are my feelings i don't think we should do that like uh you know or i think that this should we should even if it's going to cost us a little bit more money this is more of a priority for me as a business owner and as like uh you know trying to keep the store sticking with the values that we've set out you know so there's there, on, on like the big things the things that are really important the really impactful we are a lot of people are aware of what's going on right yeah is there anything I, I don't think i have anything else sort of front of mind is there anything i'm missing that you'd like to get in while we're here uh i would say that um, one of the things, one of the things that people have often asked us is like, Hey, open a store. When are you going to open a store in the South Bay? We're going to mm. open a store in Daly city or mm -hmm. Oakland or something. One of the things that we, we try to advocate with, uh, advocate for is communities creating the thing that they need. And we, we do try to put that forward in community grants, uh, co-op grants and things like that. We've helped uh, seed fund some smaller companies awesome. that are cooperatively structured. Mm -hmm. um, and I and I 100% understand that it's not an easy thing to start a business or start any of these, uh, you know, any of these types of things, um, especially in the Bay Area where everything's so much more expensive. But I think the thing that I would hope that your listeners understand through exploring co-ops is that collective effort makes change and it can make really positive change even if even if the the thing that you're doing day to day is just stocking a shelf is just sweeping is just doing a lot the fact that a person here 
is a co-owner, is getting equity, has a say, is hopefully, uh, you know, getting enough to sustain themselves wherever they're located. Um, and, and, you know, that we also share the, the, you know, the, the successes of our, of our business, um, every year with, um, uh, with profit sharing and things like that. So it, it's not just, it doesn't all just get centralized, you know, into somebody's pocket. Sure. It actually, the idea that, uh, that, you know, every dollar spent at a co-op, I've read this a long time ago, every dollar spent at a co-op generates more, uh, economic impact in its immediate community hmm. um, because that money stays right here it stays right. with people who live here it stays with the people who were it doesn't go somewhere else you know i'll go on record it doesn't go to like the five people who own the baseball team and one of them keeps giving money to really terrible people yes right for just one example off the top of my head <laughs> So, you know, I, I mean, like, it, I, I think it was like it was like a dollar 20 or a dollar 40 of economic growth, like expenditures, mm. if you're keeping that because you're keeping that that economy, you right. know, uh, centralized in the in, in your community. I, I it's it's not easy. It's 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 uh, but it's it's it can be very worthwhile. And with again, like you said, like there's a reason why people tend to stay within organizations like this not only is there skill sharing there's diversity of work there's the opportunity to like move around and learn more but that 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 sense of ownership that sense of like my my opinion has a direct impact on how my live my like work life balance actually happens right i can if i think that something needs to change about my schedule or the role that I have or whatever, I can put that out there. Now, I might not get what I want, but at least I have, I can, I have that opportunity versus so many places where you do not have, you can't, you are essentially powerless to actually try to make the change that you need to be healthy and sustainable and successful. So, I I mean, I it, it, when I've thought about like, would I ever start a business doing whatever? Like I used to do a lot of screen printing, like starting a screen printing collective. I'd be like, I think I would probably want it to be collectively run, like really truly, because I think that that ultimately is a stronger, more resilient organization. And all of the things that happen that could be challenges are generally also challenges of any other structure. But I think, I think that like we've been able to, because we can ha react so quickly to things, as quickly as 200 people can, uh, you know, we've been able to make decisions that affect our store to be able to sustain ourselves through the lockdown, through low uh, low customer counts and everything while we were, you know, low capacity and all this stuff. And we're thankfully still here. That was Cody Frost of Rainbow Grocery Cooperative. We'll be back next week with an all-new podcast about Mother Bar, soon to open as San Francisco's newest women and femme-centered queer bar. Episode 9 drops next Tuesday. Music for Storied San Francisco was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. 
Michelle Kilfeather does original photography for us. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fifth season, we have more than 200 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're able to, please rate and review the show. And drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, weird, and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.